What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. We're here with part two of our interview with Colt Henry. Yes, we're not trying to make more and more professors. We're trying to make more and more industrious people. And sometimes I feel like the weight and emphasis... Uh, in some universities may be too heavy the other way. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, we want to invite you to get involved in the charity our founders helped start called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the U.S. and globally. The top project you could help with now is in Cusco, Peru. There are 20 girls that the local government rescued but didn't have anywhere to keep them safe, so they put them in jail. The government has said that they're willing to give custody of these kids to the aftercare facility we're helping to expand now once we raise enough money and build an extra building there. To learn more, please click on the Child Rescue tab on our website, which is iCollective.co. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Colt, you guys recently sold... Uh, Dev Mountain Coding School for $20 million. Um, we've been talking about the value of hard skills and being an entrepreneur. Um, but why don't you talk a little bit about some of the hard things? You know, so many of our listeners, um, they hear these stories. You know, we got some people on the show that sound kind of fancy. And it's not always so easy to feel relatable to them. Um, if somebody said, you know, real easy for you to talk about this stuff, you know, you were probably born with a silver spoon in your mouth and had this given to you. What would what would be your reaction to something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess if someone did come to me and was like, this is easy for you, you had a silver spoon given to you when you were born, I, I would just tell them, like, you know, my father has given up trying to explain to people back home in our small farm in town of Idaho what I do because he says it's just too complicated, right? And what am what I doing? There's no – they couldn't – understand what I'm doing down here. Plus every time I go up, people are telling me that I should quit what I'm doing and go finish uh, and get a real college degree. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, it wasn't necessarily like something that necessarily was handed to you. Um, it's definitely uh, something you really have to work at hard. Now, the one thing that I think will make it so that you don't have to work as hard or you don't have to learn as many the hard lessons as possible is to surround yourself by good mentors and good mentors become like that father, right? That sometimes do kind of hand you a, some type of silver spoon, which is just knowledge of what they've done before. So yeah, we've had a lot of tough times, but one thing to remember is that I think we've also avoided a lot of tough times because we, we just, we, had great advisors and we've had other mentors outside of advisors that we just, we realized that we were young um, 
and we just needed a lot of advice, a lot of help, and that avoided a lot of pain. Now, there was still a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of restless nights. And uh, if you want, yeah, like what, yeah, what, what's an example of one of those like, oh no, kind of moments? Yeah, I see some of those moments. I would, one of the toughest ones is what you hear all the time, and that is having the right team. And so it's, we've had always the good luck of having amazing people approach us, and that's great. I think one of the lessons that we've also learned is holding on to people a little too long. And that's like after you know, it's after you know that they're not going to work out. Yeah. Not when, especially (laughs) when it's like, you know, whether it's, uh, yeah, as you know, it's not going to work out, but you, you really feel for the family and you have that really soft side of the heart. That's just keeping you from, moving on that's like one of the most painful things is is uh letting go somebody that is a good friend or or something like that it's just not working out that's probably you hear that all the time firing is the hardest thing now i wouldn't say that's the hardest thing we came across but that's probably one of the hardest um i think a lot of times when you meet a lot of uh, roadblocks when you feel like uh, we're trying to do something and we get a lot of press back. I mean, when we just first started this whole idea of code schools in Utah, got a lot of a lot of pushback. A lot of people were saying, "Why would I ever hire somebody?" And uh, versus compared to somebody who has a four year degree or something. In that right, uh, and you had to just really dig down and just really go out there and push and 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 ask for the chances, just to say, put one of our students in your course, take a risk on us, uh, take us the liability and see if it works out. Let us prove to you that this is something. That's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of pain to push that forward, but. I mean, once you start proving and they, and you get friends on your side that really love what you're doing and love the product, now our product is our students, it becomes a lot more enjoyable and rewarding that you push this hard work into that. Um, see another paint. I have a unique one. Well, you know what? Um, it's funny, that last thing about holding on to people. I, I think, like, I, I'm a guy who doesn't love confrontation, right? And... There's been so many times that we've held on to staff members like af- like after it was obvious they shouldn't be there anymore. And like you think you're being nice, but really we're like holding them back from something that's actually going to work for them long term, knowing, right? And you're in- annoying like the whole rest of the staff who has also clued into they probably aren't making the fit, you know? And oh, yeah. like I legitimately lost respect. I mean, my in-house lawyer at our fund, we, we had this hoity-toity guy, MBA, you know, $250,000 a year guy, right? Who was just not getting it done. And we kept him about, (laughs) we kept him three months, which was about two and a half months too long, you know? (laughs) And I remember when we let him go, my in-house lawyer was like, finally, what's that about? How come you kept him so long? And it was like, hey, I thought there were standards around here. How come that guy got to stick around so long? 
he didn't do anything you know and it was like it was like a shot on our you know me and my partner's leadership from the staff that that we took so long you know yeah yeah i the best way i've heard to explain i I forget who explained it to me but um i've actually told it somebody else but it feels like the wizard of oz where suddenly Dorothy falls on the witch and kills the witch. And then she gets out and she sees the munchkin police come. She's like, you know, she's thinking, great. I just killed this woman and they're coming after me to arrest me kind of a thing. And she's terrified and all sad. And then like to her surprise, everyone's happy, right? Dean Don, the witch is dead. Now I'm not saying that necessarily how it was or anything like that. But what it is, is you're thinking like, oh, everybody loves this person and everything, but you got to realize that people are on your team because they want to do great stuff, right? Especially if you have a team that's really innovative. And a lot of times you're betraying other people on your team and making it harder on the team by just holding on, being nice to that particular person or that particular two or three people. Um, you kind of really need to have the loyalty to your entire team as well as to the um to your mission to uh, really benefit the most people, I guess. Uh, that's how I like to see it is this Dorothy Wicked Witch and the Wizard of Oz. That's how I often see it. You, you get surprised and say, wow, I didn't realize it was affecting our culture that much. <laughs> you know, um, it's funny, like taking that step back and looking at everyone that's affected by that decision, not just not just the, oh, this is going to be uncomfortable to let them go part of it, you know, how all of a sudden the decision gets easier when you consider the whole decision, right? Exactly. And and everyone involved. I think one of the tougher decisions and one of the most painful things to feel is when you realize as a co-founder, you're the ones causing problems. (laughs) You know, for me, I've caused many problems. And, and I'll be the first one to fess up on that, right? And so I've had to uh, remove myself from situations. And I, I think that's even tough and that's painful. And that really kind of gets you to question your self-esteem. But really, it takes it takes a lot of guts and a lot of determination for that mission and that to either remove yourself, put somebody who's more experienced, um, or give it to somebody who needs the chance and, and kind of remove yourself out of the picture of a certain situation. Yeah. Um, which kind of leads you down the road of, uh, of, of growing a team. I mean, when one thing you realize is you try to hold on to something, you know, there's some things that I really love to hold on because it's my idea or my baby or, or our idea as a fan of team. But once you start, like, you hand it off, you let it go, and you realize it's going better than you would have done it, it's actually very stress-relieving, and, and, and it's a good experience, right? I, I, you could either take it two ways. You could say, oh, they're better than me. I'm not that great of a guy. I'm not that great of an entrepreneur, right? Or you could be like, great, look at this. It's He's doing a better job and just be sincerely happy for that. And especially for the for the mission, and then apply yourself somewhere else and grow in your special areas. Yeah, 
were there any times that you thought Dev Mountain's not going to make it? Like, oh crap, we're not going to make payroll. This is all going to go <laughs> down the tubes. Any any of those kind of times you remember? So we were a, we were a bootstrap company. So I would I'd be lying if I didn't think I wouldn't be worried, right? So bootstrapping a company, there's a lot of stress. I could see why people love to fundraise on other people's money because it kind of takes some of the the stress of failure away. Um, but you know, if I if we had it. It just plays an everyday emotion if you had one of your team members come in and propose a radically different idea and it's going to affect your cash cow or or something and you go, if this fails, it's like it's my personal roof that's at the risk, right? And, and just looking as time goes on and, and your liabilities are stacking up, it gets more and more scarier and it doesn't help that. Uh, so my wife's an accountant. It doesn't help <laughs> that she knows it. In fact, what that's she, awesome, dude. She, uh, she actually worked for dev mountain from day zero. Right. And uh, she's, she was just, she was supposed to just temporarily help out. Um, but then as we go on, my partners asked her to go full time and they've actually asked her to stay. And and, uh, and so she's actually turned this into her full career as well. And that doesn't help because if there's something really pressing on the business and I come home and I'm really stressed, I don't escape that stress. Like maybe many entrepreneurs, they go to their home, you know, what? to their wives, or if it's a woman entrepreneur, they go to their husband and are able to not think about it. If I'm sitting up at 2 a.m. not able to go to sleep, most likely I'm able to turn my head over and my <laughs> wife's not sleeping. And it just takes a toll on you. So yeah, yeah there's there has been times where you're just thinking about this liability and you're also thinking that like, oh shoot, out of my stupidity, I have made a business decision that's going to be hurting the business. And if I don't correct it, it we're on a projection of non sustainability. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that really is really scary and you have to make the corrections. Yeah. It's it. Bootstrapping is hard. You know, so I didn't realize you guys were bootstrapped. I, I got to tell you, I am such a fan, like um, coming out of the investment banking world, um, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on fundraising and, and these kind of things. And, and we certainly raised, you know, millions of dollars for some of our other businesses. And I was so intentional about doing ideation collective without investors. Um, there's like so much flexibility. You know, I, I have a bit of a bone to pick with the industry where um, we, we encourage people to run around and tell everybody how much money they raised. Like that was profit or something like this should be an accomplishment of our achievement. And like, not that it's not a roadmark, you know, not that it's not a, an indication of somebody has faith in your idea, but it shouldn't be confused with crossing the finish line. Do you know what I mean? Like you got yeah. enough, you got enough gas in your car for the drive. You didn't, you didn't cross the finish line, you know? Um, what, what are your, what do you see as any of the benefits of bootstrapping? Yeah, it's uh sovereignty you're able to really uh 
you'll really be able to take any interest at heart, whether it's your own grateful interest or whether it's for the mission of this, you know, of what you guys are trying to make better. Luckily, my uh, two partners, Kayla Sharp and Tyler Richards, all three of us, we were very idealistic. Um, and we really loved the mission that we were served. And so we were able to make decisions off of what we thought would be better for our students, as well as for the tech community. Um, cause I, you, you know, for example, we teach some of the newer technology and it turned out to be a great, uh, risk that we were starting in the beginning. But, um, when we first started, there was these, uh, other boot camps that were teaching older technologies cause that's where some of the older jobs are. And I think I still see the uh, need for that, but I think if we had had investors from the very beginning, we'd be teaching some of these older technologies that these old outdated companies um needed yeah but we were able to say no we were teaching this new one because more people are excited about it and we have a risk and a thought that eventually this technology is going to be more and more popular in the industry and that turned out to be right more long-term thinking instead of short-term pressure from investors yeah you were to a lot better than I did <laughs> long-term thinking versus short-term thinking. Yeah, exactly. Now I have to say though, uh, there have been people though that have amazing investors and because they have this, and it's been a benefit cash savings in their bank with the understanding that they're going to be doing their investors are on for the long haul. I've seen that be more beneficial than sometimes bootstrapping, right? Where sure. they are able to make amazing risky decisions that is going to really impact the industry and the world, but it's a lot further play for us. We were able to make risky decisions, but bootstrap and we had to see the results within, you know, three to eight months from when we made the decision. Yeah. Uh, that's one limiting factor. If anyone out there is considered bootstrapping is you have to make incremental decisions because you have to see the reward about that time. Now there again on the opposite side of bootstrapping, there's people who want a too fast of reward and that gets where a lot of the stress is, right? Yeah. Where it's like we're wanting a multiple X exit within, you know, two to five years. And that's it. Yeah. How big, how good is your crystal ball? <laughs> we should, yeah, exactly. you know, and it's not to say that it's in all cases, obviously, you know, I'm, I was approached this year, um, you know, to be involved with another fund that's very asset intensive. I'm really high likelihood. I move forward with these guys. Um, and you know, be, because the asset, you know, because it's tens of millions of dollars of assets, it's not, a, it's not bootstrappable. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that there's life sciences things or, or other industries where, you know, just the cost of doing business is so high, it's not a possibility. Um, but I do think there's a lot of folks that maybe don't take as big a look as they could for, do we really need these investors yet? And, and I mean, there is the other side of it of, you know, if this thing is successful, what that percentage is worth in the end that you didn't give up. Right. Exactly. Um, well, listen, uh, you know, I've been talking to other co-working spaces and we, we just, um, 
we had another interview just recently with with one of the accelerators on Denver. Um, I'm interested in your uh, philosophy for for student acquisition. You know, I remember I was talking to these folks just a couple of weeks ago who, you know, a third of their students are actually in businesses who want a refresher. And they're getting a third of them who are people trying to switch careers. And then a third, they said they don't know why. <laughs> they don't know why they're taking the class. They're just happy they're taking it, you know. Um, and that they've, you know, really worked with the local universities as far as student acquisition and stuff. What's, what's your psychology or what's your weapon of choice for student attraction? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my business partner, Tyler Richards, who's our over a marketing Mm-hmm. had the scientific answer about it you could <laughs> okay. ask him but for kind of what my observations been in this is there's a lot i would i would say our demographic has changed in the past year where it's now uh maybe a there's a lot of career seekers uh who are already have their bachelor degree and this is a more sustainable way for them to change the career fields. Uh, there's a lot of people who've actually come in that have worked near other tech talent, whether it's working for a tech company, but they were working in a non-tech capacity or uh, whether they were, their client was tech or, or they were, you know, uh, people that they served was in the tech community or they're watching YouTube videos. They, that's when they make the jump. Uh, there's, a, there's starting to become a, a larger population of people. We don't intentionally market to these people, but they just naturally seek us out uh, who decide they just want a totally different alternative to college. Um, there's a lot of people about and, and they have great success as well. Um then in Utah, and is it is it a lot of SEO or more events or what do you what do you feel like is the best way to have them find out about you? Our biggest is word of mouth, uh, and, and for the longest time we were looking at that word of mouth. Word of mouth particularly means past students. That's our largest people coming forward. Uh, a lot of our students have said they've known somebody who've taught who've taken Dev Mountain, um, and so. That's one thing that we're very flattered about is the fact that our biggest acquisition of students uh, in courses that have been running for a while are actually other students. Um, as we've been trying to become better marketers ourselves, that has we we kind of realized that showed our weakness, right? We're like, oh, wait, that also means we're not that great of marketers uh, and got to the point where... Um, we're we're experimenting a lot right now uh, on our marketing channels, and I would I would say uh, another big acquisition is just either news articles, um, stuff written up, reviews about Dead Mountain. So, mm. uh, is it is it the same with teachers? I mean, I know having the right instructor with the credibility is obviously a big attractor. Is it? Are you guys having instructors find you guys out? Or are you intentionally going out and saying, "Hey, we, you know, we need someone who's awesome at this. Here's what we pay." Or what? What's that like? Yeah. So my personal, I don't have necessarily this down to science either, but my philosophy of how we got 
great talent was that some of our first talent were amazing people that were actually really given in the community. Right. Mm. So, um, I'll give you a specific example of two of our instructors, past instructors. Uh, we had one guy named Tyler McGinnis, who's still going to be a long-term friend of mine, that he uh, was always either presenting at meetups. He started a meet, tech meetup, and he also was just always helping other developers around him. Because we hired him personally, he attracted a lot of people in his network that were either was loosely in the network and heard of him or really knew him, want to come and help out because of him, right? Because he was so given in the community. And then that's the same thing with like one of our other instructors, uh, Caleb Hicks. So when Tyler McGinnis, uh, who no longer actually teaches at Dead Mountain, moved on in his network, was our current one of our current lead instructors, Jeremy Robertson, another great instructor. And because of him, we're able to bring other instructors. I think that's one of our keys that we pick people out that are very given in the developer community. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not sure that, that that's really interesting to hear. I'm not sure that that's the obvious answer, but as soon as you say it, it makes so much sense. Um, well, we have these standard questions we like to ask all our different guests. Um, you know, one of them is like this charity we started seven years ago, six, seven years ago called Child Rescue, trying to prevent child sex trafficking. Um, you know, we've got prevention campaigns at high schools and colleges. We're doing aftercare, helping building aftercare orphanage in Cusco, Peru. We do law enforcement assistance, like whether it's helping pay for police trainings or undercover rescue missions, things like this. Um, if you had any advice for us, or if you were us, what would you be doing to try and get more people involved in protecting children from these kind of predators? Yeah, I think uh, you, you kind of have to shift your your focus of where people's attention is naturally going. Um, for instance, I just saw a uh, a campaign for adoption uh, on Pokemon Go where it, they were kind of playing off of the Pokemon Go hype about come to the country and catch a kid, <laughs> almost, but to to adopt. And I think that got a, a lot of press because it was very relevant. And people, you know, people were making fun of people who were playing Pokemon Go because they were sometimes missing some of the other important issues of the world that was going on as if it was a distraction. I kind of feel like, you should turn what people label as distractions upside down and try to make that as a tool to garner attention for you. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, here's another one. What, what books do you feel like entrepreneurs and innovators should be reading these days? I know you're a big fan of the blogs and um, the more current information, but are there any of those, maybe whether it's a soft skill or anything else that you feel like is a book that stands out to you? Uh, yeah, book. Um, yes, I, there's one called, uh, traction mm. and the uh, guy who, I, the guy who started duck, duck, go. Yep. Okay. His book traction, a startup guide to getting customers. Um, 
that I really love that book uh, because he kind of takes that lean startup methodology of saying, you know, to get your company going, you really need traction. You really need customers. And how you get those customers is through channels, uh, different advertising and marketing ways of getting to people. And so he actually goes through a numerous of channels. I forget what the number was. But yeah, I think it's like 18 or 21 or yeah, all these different 18. possibilities, right? Yeah, exactly. He goes through and then he says, you don't necessarily test them all at once, but test two at a time and, and be willing to, you know, that's not really, really returning. Roll that one off. It was a methodical way uh, to attack about how do we reach out to our customers. Um, that kind of goes back to when we realized most of our success was from word of mouth from uh, students and instructors uh, and alumni. That was actually the book that was recommended to us and we went to to try to really um, go past just word of mouth. And it and it did help. I, it was recommended to us by Joshua Halland and we really appreciate that recommendation. You know what I... You know what I really like about that book is uh, I feel like it challenged me. You know, I, I am a, kind of a book nerd. I listen to an audio book or two a week and have for, for quite a few years. So it really adds up, right? But I still have these natural biases of, of the traction platforms that I'm going to be most given to. Um, and I felt like that book really, it was kind of like, it helped me shake up. It, it helped me question myself of like, I assume this is the best route for my first customers, but is that my, you know, is that reality or is that my bias? And um, anyways, I, I really found value in that same book. Yeah, very well put. No, definitely. It helps you systematically figure out if your biases are right or wrong. Your hunches, are your hunches something that's going to make you good money or is it going to not be the most effective thing? Yeah. Well, listen, uh, kind of in closing here, what, um, is there anyone that stands out to you from either early in your career or early in life that really set the example for how to treat others kind of that you look up to? Uh, yeah, I mean, treat others. I would have to say in just the good nature of treating others outside of business context, that would have to be, uh, my dad, um, both my biological dad and my stepdad, they're both people who really actually gave service to people that they disagreed with. Mm. And, uh, and they would only discuss their disagreements with the people, uh, with either them and face or, uh, but they, it was never like talking behind their back or anything like that. That's one thing that was a big, a good, uh, example to me, but coming down to Utah, immersing myself in a completely different ecosystem. Um, one of my biggest mentors would have to be John Richards. Uh, he actually has a company called Startup Ignition. Uh, it does similar to what we do, but it's actually a, a boot camp for entrepreneurs. Um, he just long before he started Startup Ignition, he was a really good mentor to me. And the fact that he really cared about me and was introducing me to other people that really helped me launch off and he leveraged his connections. That kind of really showed me that I should be leveraging myself to benefit the local ecosystem. I, there's, 
he he's one of the people that cares greatly about the local Utah entrepreneurship ecosystems. That's great. Um, you know, it's interesting the lasting impact those kind of people have on our lives, huh? Yeah, exactly. I would, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without him. And so that's what kind of going back to your point of, you know, saying I'm young. I, yes, I'm really young. And a lot of that is because not just John Richards, there's a lot of other good mentors that, um, that I've surrounded myself, uh, that has really helped me avoid, um, mistakes. I mean, some of those mentors would be like, uh, Alex Lawrence, who's also very given to the community. He's really trying to push that startup Ogden up in Ogden and Sid Cromahook. Um, he's always trying to give back and he's also now a new VC with, uh, peak ventures. And they're just, uh, there's actually too many mentors, you know, mentors to mention, but getting like a real genuine friendship with people who are really given to the local environment and ecosystem, I think is a really good play for anybody. Very cool. Well, any parting advice for, for entrepreneurs or innovators out there? Uh, yeah, it's, this one's probably heard a lot, but it's, it's really hard to be an entrepreneur. Um, and I've had many entrepreneur friends that I feel like have been smarter than me that have maybe had to try over and over again for success, but it's definitely something that's very challenging and very rewarding. And so if people are up for the challenge, I mean, do what, like we said before, surround themselves with good mentors and then just go out and start tinkering and doing. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks for uh, making so much time today. This is great. Yeah, Jess, thanks for having me on. Okay, thanks so much. Bye. That was part two of our interview. If you missed part one, please go back an episode and download the episode before this one for the first half of the interview. As always, please check iCollective.co for show notes of things referenced during the interview and to learn more about our guest. And if you're interested, we'd love to have you learn more about the charity Child Rescue. Go to the menu page on iCollective and click on Child Rescue. Thanks so much. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.